Well, let's lift our hands all over this church and just thank God for his goodness and his mercy. Amen. Bible says that they're new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. That's what I like about God. When you wake up, things are new. The Bible says in the book, actually Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, you know what he said? He said, though the outward man is perishing, he said the inward man's being renewed day by day. Amen. And then he said, you know, of course we know the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. So not only is your inward man being renewed every morning, but his mercies are new every morning. Amen. I like this. Uh, the Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so every day, and that's why I like that, you know, when Jesus was teaching his disciples, uh, he asked them, he said, pray like this. He said, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Amen. That means there's new and fresh bread from heaven for you every single day. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That God's not a God that just does something once and then leaves you hanging for the rest of your life. But an intimate, ongoing relationship with the Lord means that you can have an interaction. You know, that's really uh, one of the defining characteristics of Christianity that sets it apart from all other religions. Is that it's a religion where we have a personal relationship with the God we serve. My cousin one time was uh, in New York City and he jumped into a cab and he's a preacher too. Some of y'all know him, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and he jumped into a cab and he noticed from the tag on the front that the driver was also a, a religious man. He was Muslim. And uh, he said, he noticed that the man was not really from America originally. He said, let me ask you a question, sir. He said, um, uh, since you've come to the United States, he said, notice that you're Muslim. He said, has it been hard to keep up the, um, the uh, faithfulness or the, the dedication to the nation of Islam? Do you still pray? I know Muslims pray five times a day. And the man said, no, it's not been hard. He said, I'll, if, if, uh, he said, in our country, we usually have those towers, the minarets where they have the call to prayer go out when it's time to pray. Of course, we don't have that here. He said, but we have a smartphone app that'll go off and let us know it's one of the time, times to pray. And he said, uh, when it goes off, I just turn my light off on the cab, drive to the nearest mosque, and I'll get out. And he said, I'll go in and do my daytime prayers and come back out. And my cousin thought that was amazing that the man was stayed that faithful to prayer. And he said, well, let me ask you this also. Of course, he hadn't revealed that he was a preacher or a Christian at this point. He said, let me ask you this also. In all the years that you've been a Muslim, he said, you've prayed five times a day. He said, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen Allah perform? And the guy spun around his chair. He said, you're a Christian, aren't you? <laughs> and he said, well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. He said, I just want to get your story. You know what? He said, and he said, no, I know you're a Christian. He said, the reason I know you're a Christian is because only Christians think like that. Oh, man, that got me excited. And he said, you think about it, that's one of the best testimonies for prayer that you could hear a Muslim testifying. Christians pray with the expectation to hear back from God. I thought that was a great testimony. He said, oh, you're a Christian because Christians think that way. That when they pray, they expect to hear back from their God. And he, he went on to say this. He said, Muslims, we don't pray like that. He said, we pray because it's our duty to pray. You pray expecting to hear an answer. I thought that's exactly right. Hallelujah. We serve a God that answers prayer. Can you say amen? And that's why it's wonderful because the God we serve, and, and I love this, he's not just able to bless us, he's willing to bless us. 
Amen. He's not just able, he's willing. He wants to bless us. I love how Jesus in Matthew 7, he actually broke down the nature and character of our heavenly father. He, and he compared it to earthly fathers. He said, you know, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. He said, which of you, if your uh, child asked you for a fish, would you give them a serpent? Or if they asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? He said, and think about it, you're earthly fathers. How much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that what? Ask him. Amen. How many are willing to ask him for good gifts? Amen. And he's a God that answers prayer. You know, one of the things I like about prayer, uh, Jesus taught it this way in the gospel of John. He said, uh, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. You know, one of the reasons God likes to answer your prayers is because it's his avenue, one of the avenues to bring overwhelming joy into your life. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And then he said, when this answered prayer comes, he said, in this, my father's glorified. So God, when he answers your prayers, he doesn't just deliver joy into your life, but he gets all the glory for what happens. Amen. Because no man can take his glory. No human can take his praise. He doesn't share his glory with any man, the Bible says. But we've got an all-powerful God. Aren't you happy about that? He's an all-powerful God. Hallelujah. Amen. That gets me excited right there. God I serve has all power in his hand. Amen. And I'm excited knowing that, and this is what I've been praying. Lord, whatever your people are believing for, let this be the week that it comes to pass in their life. Whatever they've been facing, that the enemy's been throwing at them, whatever attack has come. Bible says that the weapons formed against us, that's in the Old Testament, will not prosper. They'll not be allowed to prosper. Amen. Now, that's Old Testament. And understand something, if he could say that through the prophet in the Old Testament to the Old Testament children of God, Hebrews 9 says that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Don't tell me that we're in a new covenant, but it's worse than what they had back then. It's not worse, it's better. Can you say amen? Somebody say better. Amen. And I'm excited about that. A better covenant established upon better promises. You know, I'm honored because we've had so many wonderful people join us this week at Kickstart uh, 21. And we've had people, did you know that at this point when we're here Thursday night, we've had people drive in from New York, Pennsylvania. Uh, we've had people coming in from, uh, where else, what am I missing here? New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Virginia, and AJ and Laura Bible here tonight. Where did y'all come in from? South Carolina. Would you welcome them and make them feel welcome? AJ and Laura Bible. That's a great last name. Amen. I'd like it. And of course, you pastor locally as well, don't you? At uh, what church is it? First Baptist. I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you for coming. And you came with him as well? Nice to have you. I'm glad you're here. Would you welcome them? Make them feel welcome. God bless you. Oscar and Jimmy, we know them. Hallelujah. Glad you're here. We're always honored to have Pastor Steve Barbie and Phil Barbie with us. I'm so happy to see every one of you on a rainy Thursday night when you could have been anywhere else, but you're in the house of God. Amen. You know what that speaks of? Hunger. That means that rather than sitting on the couch and binge watching Netflix, you're in the house of the Lord. And you know, that hunger means that you have an expectancy. And when you come into this presence with expectancy, God honors faith. He's moved by faith. 
Bible says anything we receive, we receive it by faith. For without faith, Hebrews 11:6, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's what? A rewarder. Of who? Not everybody. God's not a rewarder of everybody. Of those that diligently seek him. Amen? And that kind of uh, approach to God means I've got an expectancy. He sees it and then he rewards the diligent seeker. I like what he said to Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament. He said, when you search after me with your whole heart, then you'll find me. Yeah. You know, God's not looking for hobbyists. Yeah. <laughs> he don't want a part-time lover. He's looking for people that'll pursue him, dedicated, consecrated on a daily basis. Amen? Amen? One thing that I love about the word of God is that this word, now I'm going to ask you something. How many believe, and, and you know, I used to just take this for granted, but now I don't anymore. Not in this postmodern society we live in now. But how many in this building believe that this is the inerrant, inspired word of God? How many believe that? It's the inerrant, inspired word of God. This word's been preserved for us through the years. Jesus promised it would be, and it has been. And this word is the highest force in the universe. Did you know the psalmist wrote that? Psalm 138 and verse 2, Bible says he magnified his word above his name. That's powerful. You know how powerful the name of God is? At that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, it's awesome. The Bible says God gave unto Jesus a name that's above every other name. And then he seated him far above all principalities and powers and rulers and dominions. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. Ephesians chapter 1. And has put all things under his feet. And made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So not only does he have a name that's above every name, he's seated above every other name. Glory to God. Now, if his name's that powerful, and then the psalmist wrote, Lord, you've magnified your word above your name. Think about that. The word of God is the most powerful force in all the universe. Now, let me say something. And not, you can't know anything else about God outside of this word. Nothing. It's all contained in the scripture. There is no other revelation about God you can get that's not in these pages. Amen. And so that means that this right here. Now, what did Jesus say in John 6? He said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Right? So catch this now. God. Now, what did the Bible call Jesus in John chapter 1? He was the word made. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word The word is God. I want you to say this with me. The word is God. That's exactly what the Bible says. The word is God. Now see, I so believe the Bible that I believe that it's just as much God as the individual sitting on the throne. That's why God can say through the prophet like Isaiah 55, when I send my word out, It doesn't come back empty, nor does it return void, but it accomplishes what I send it to do and prospers in the thing whereunto I've sent it. Why? Because who's going to tell God no? Who's going to tell God no? The Red Sea couldn't even tell him no. 
God. His word. That his word was too much, even for not a person, a body of water. And you know what's amazing? I just want to show you this because I got a just a quick thought, just a concentrated thought here on this on the power of God's word or his instruction. But uh, if, if we thought, and of course, maybe you've heard me say this before, but bears repeating many times we grew up thinking that the reason the Red Sea parted was because Moses held up his staff. That was his act of obedience, but that's not why it parted. If you read Psalm 77, verses uh, 16 and 19, the psalmist writes, Lord, the sea saw you coming and was trembling and became greatly afraid. Verse 19 says, I love this, Psalm 77, 19. It says, Lord, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Come on. Hallelujah. Pastor, what, what translation do you have there? King James Version. That's the one Jesus used. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. What does it say in your translation there? Psalm 77, 19. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Now think about this. By his obedience, Moses lifted up the staff, and then the Bible says, according to the psalmist, God started walking when the staff was raised. And as God began to walk, that sea that stood in their way had to get up and move out of his way. Think about it now. The first person to cross the Red Sea was Jehovah himself and he just started walking and the Bible says if you go back to verse 16 the sea the waters saw you and trembled and became greatly afraid yes. yeah. <laughs> saw him finally had to just move out of his way my God he's coming and God just started walking through the sea and all of those that were the children of Israel just followed him on through the sea but not because they saw his footprints. His footprints were unknown or unseen. One translation says, you had a pathway that nobody knew was there. How many know our God can bring rivers in the desert? He can make a way where there was no way. Amen. And so one thing we need to understand, I'm, I'm showing you this, his word is more powerful than anything else. His word went through the sea. You know why I don't believe that the burning bush was on fire? I believe that the fire was in the bush, but I don't believe the bush was on fire because the Bible says it was not consumed. But my Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, our God is a consuming. But if he's also the word, that means his word is fire. What did Elijah talk to God on top of Mount Carmel? And when God talked back, fire came down. Because his word is fire. What did he say to the prophet Jeremiah? He said, because the people have been rebellious, I'll make my word like a fire in your mouth and the people like dry wood. And Jeremiah, when they all told him to shut up and sit down, they were tired of hearing him prophesy. They were tired of hearing him talk. And he said, Lord, I, I tried to be quiet. I tried to shut up and sit down. But every time I hold my peace, thy word is like a fire shut up in my bones. And I'm weary of holding it in. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. 
It was fire shut up in his bones. It was the word of God. Hey, I didn't even see you two sitting there. It's good to have you in the house. My God, we got people coming in from everywhere. Now, in Isaiah 48, now this is where I wanted to show you this now, because his word, it always accomplishes what he sends it to do. And God loves you, as I pointed out in Matthew 7. He's your loving heavenly father, meaning he always wants to bless you. He wants to help you. God doesn't have a plan to destroy your life, not if you're his child. Amen. You know, one thing that I, I get on people, one of the things that bothers me is that, uh, you know, we get, Pentecostals many times in charismatics, we get so caught up saying, how many know my God is a good God? And good all the time and all the time he is good. And then we see something negative happen in the Bible. Say, well, that couldn't have been God. It was bad. Well, who said it was bad? Let me give you a point. Who says that? When God judges sin, it's good. Yeah. It's not bad. You say, if you want to, because then, then you have a real issue with the Bible, because what do you do when the Bible says that God didn't just leave that Red Sea open for the Israelites to come through? He also left it open and said, come on, Pharaoh and all your whole army, come right on through. And right when they were all positioned in the middle of the, of the seabed, he just lifted his hand and the waters came down. He destroyed the whole army. Yeah. Now, was that good or bad? I said, was it good or bad? Good. Did God do it or the devil? God. God did it. You know why? It's good when God judges sin. Yeah. It's good when God judges sin. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. And so I want you to see this. When God has a righteous action, it's always good. Yeah. It's never bad. You know, it's awesome about that story. In one move, God delivered his people and destroyed their enemies in one move. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that gets me excited, man. Yeah. Somebody came to a preacher friend of ours, pastor, and said, well, you know, brother, that wasn't a real miracle there in the Old Testament. He said, it wasn't. He said, no, if you study the history of it, you know, you can go back. And he said, during that time of the season, it was, you know, a very dry season. And the Red Sea was probably only about two inches deep at that time. You know, a swift wind could have blown through and kind of blown it so they could got across. And my preacher friend started shouting and giving God praise. They said, why are you shouting? I just told you it wasn't a miracle. He said, that means what you told me is true. God drowned Pharaoh's whole army in two inches of water. <laughs> Either way you look at it, it's a miracle. Can you say amen? Any way you look at it, God's big. And so here in Isaiah 48 and verse 17, the Bible says, let me read this to you, Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. Now, I want you to see this now. When God speaks, according to the prophet here, God doesn't lead you into a place where you diminish. He doesn't take you into a way to destroy you. He doesn't take you in a way so that you suffer or go through problem. That's not the plan of God for his people. I'll tell you how you know that's true. If you read Deuteronomy 28, where he's talking to the children of Israel, he said, if you're careful to obey all that I command you this day, then I'll set you on high above all nations of the earth. And then he goes through all of Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, talking about the results of their obedience. Obedience is the key to blessing. Yeah. 
And when you see or hear the word of the Lord, when God speaks to you or even gives you command in his word, then when you obey it, the outcome of your obedience is blessing. Hallelujah. The outcome of your obedience is blessing. And the Bible teaches here, look at this, who teaches you to profit. Everybody say profit. That means God's got a plan to bless his children. He's got a plan to increase his children. Let me tell you this. The more blessed the body of Christ is, the more we can do what he's called us to do on the earth. The more blessed this body, what I call the individuals in the body, the more blessed we are, the better ability we have to make an impact in the world for the kingdom of God. The more people we can feed, the more that we can preach the gospel, the more we can hold crusades. I remember sitting down with Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, as I said a couple nights ago, and Dr. Reinhard Bonnke who's without question, I mean, this isn't even debatable, greatest evangelist that's ever lived on the face of the earth. In just a matter of eight years, eight years, in one nation alone, they had over 50 million conversions. 50 million. By actual card count, not by estimation, by card count. You know what he told us at lunch? He said, do you know that if we have people that get saved and fill out the card, if we don't have a fully filled out card, we don't count it. If we can't read what they wrote, we don't count it. If we don't have a way to follow up with the individual, we don't count it. And in an eight-year period, had 50 million conversions. Now, you think about this. I watched a video. You can watch it, too, if you want to. Go on YouTube and watch. Type in evangelism in Nigeria. And you'll begin to see a montage of his altar calls as people come to Jesus. I watched as in one night, one night, I told you this, 1.02 million people came to the altar. Not attended the crusade, came to the altar. He said, Brother Ted, we had a problem that night because we only had 375,000 altar workers. You got a rough problem when you got a million converts and 375,000 altar workers. And so basically one to every three people. And he said, we had to sit there and we count, we count. We get the people, we follow up. 50 some million in just a matter of eight to 10 years in one nation alone. And he held crusades all over the world, all over the world. The man from Germany, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, and a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. But here's the question. He sat down and said to us, he said, do you know, he said, we, our ministry, despite all we were doing for the Lord, our ministry was having financial trouble, and we were literally going to have to, gonna have to close the doors. We, we weren't going to be able to hold one more crusade. He said, then God raised up one man in his ministry that began to sow seeds into our ministry to continue doing the work of the Lord. He said, do you know since 1980, I believe it was 89, he said, do you know since 1989 that one man in his ministry have sown over $32 million into our ministry to hold these crusades? And you know what's funny is that you get people all over America and all around the world all bent out of shape when God's people start talking about financial provision and blessing. And you got people that are on their way to hell when Paul the apostle taught you can't even get saved unless you hear the gospel preached. The Bible says there's no way to believe on somebody you've never heard of. Romans 10, they call it the Romans road. You can't get saved without the gospel being preached. Everybody, that's why people get freaked out because, well, God's better than that. 
that. He's good. No, the Bible teaches if you don't hear about Christ, you go to hell because there's no back door into heaven. There's no other way into heaven than through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Sorry, Oprah, I don't agree with you. There's not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven, and his name's Jesus. That's why I can't understand these preachers get on these national television programs, get on Dr. Phil and get on Oprah and get on Larry King and get on Piers Morgan, and they can't answer the simple question, well, do you think if you're not a Christian, you won't go to heaven? Yes, it's what I think. And it's not just what I think, it's what the Bible said. Why do we have to apologize for Jesus? Why are people apologetic about what the Word of God said? I'll tell you one thing, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Southern Baptist, but I can tell you what, I've been giving God thanks for Dr. John MacArthur for a couple of reasons. One, because of what he's done with his church over the last year. The other reason is because when he's been challenged on the word of God regarding whatever subject, the inerrancy of the word, how people get to heaven, homosexuality, whatever it might be, he doesn't budge an inch. You got some of these other soft pants guys on television. Well, you know, that's not for me to, it is for you to say. If you're a man or a woman of God, you ought to know the word and be able to declare, this is what God said. I believe it. Amen. I said, amen. Because see, here's the thing. We don't get to negotiate the word of God. It is what it is. It says what it says. And so you understand, this is, a, this is life or death. People's souls hang in the balance while many people are disinterested on what God's doing on the earth. But one of the reasons I've chosen to attach my life and to attach my wealth and my finances and everything else to the kingdom of God is because I refuse to go through my generation and be so flippant about the souls of men that I don't even take an action to go after the lost and to see souls come into the kingdom before time runs out. One thing that we can be sure of, because Jesus taught it to his disciples in the gospel of John chapter 9 and verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's yet day, for the night is coming where no man can work. Somebody say this with me. The gospel, the gospel is a limited time offer. Say it again. The gospel, the gospel. is a limited time offer. So there will be a time, hear me, where time runs out. And then the gospel will not be available to everybody anymore. And I don't want to get to heaven and look in the face of God. And he says, listen, if you'd have just got off the couch and turned off Netflix and got to work, this, this person, this person, this person would be in heaven today. But I put them in the circle of your influence and you didn't even go after them. I want to hear well done. Anybody else want to hear well done? Amen. That means it's time for the kingdom of God to do. And see, we are the kingdom because we're the body of Christ. And see, when we sow seeds, you know, that's why I can never understand where people are flipping about giving an offering to God. G giving an offering is not a, a something to take lightly. It's serious. It represents your life. It represents your time. Everything you sow to the Lord represents your whole life. You present it to him. One of the things that I'll teach you about being blessed that I've learned uh, over the years through teaching and through experience from the word is that when you give something to God, listen for his voice, listen for his leading, listen for his prompting. That's why I've never, and I'm not saying God can't do it, but I've never told people what they should sow or what they should give because I'm not the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. Thanks for all the shouts. I was watching Christian TV, turned it on, a guy came on there. If you'll call in and sow $66, there's a six-month healing anointing coming upon your life. I thought, my God, I didn't know the anointing had an expiration date. And then I thought to myself, even if I did call the number and give those $66, that wouldn't mean a thing to me, not a thing. You know how I can prove it to you? Because I've been in the Taco Bell drive-thru and spent more than that on me. I've, haven't I? You've been in the car. There's a witness to my gluttonous spirit. When you've dropped 66 bucks on chalupas, then you understand it ain't an offering that's pleasing unto the Lord. God, take that offering and say, he just dropped this in Taco Bell last week. He don't care much about $66. But understand, everybody's at a different level. And so you have, here's how I know that it matters, not what you give, but wh where you are when you give it. Watch this. Because the Bible says, now I'm going to teach you, teach you something that I had to learn by the word. It's that God doesn't judge what you give by what you give. He judges what you give in relation to what you have. I'll show you what I mean. Let's say Oscar and Pastor Steve both gave the same offering of $1,000. But see, if Pastor Steve has $1,500 to his name and Oscar's got $1.3 million in the bank, you think God looks at those offerings the same? No. And you know there's scripture to prove that? Because Jesus stood in the temple and walked, because he was nosy, and watched people give. <laughs> he watched people give their offering. Watched. Watch, and the Bible says rich men came down and cast their offering into the treasury. And here comes a widow woman with two mites. And the Bible says she comes up with two mites and with care places it in the offering, in the treasury. Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, she gave more than all these others. And the disciples said, Lord, did you not see what these men were given? They gave from their abundance. He said they gave from their abundance, but she gave all she had. Look how Jesus judged it. Not by the amount that was given, but by the ratio of what she gave to what was left over. Oh, hallelujah. I can remember the first time sowing $100 as a young man, and it meant something to me. It meant something to me. I thought, oh, my Lord, when I drop this in the offering, the earth's going to shake. This church is coming down. Amen. I thought that. My God, I'll release this. Revival's going to break out in this church. And I gave it. But let me tell you something. It came a time, years gone by, God kept blessing us, God kept increasing us, and I had to come to the realization. This is why introspection is necessary at offering time. God has blessed me. And I look at that offering in my hand and say, you know what, I'm starting to feel it. That $100 don't mean the same thing it used to mean to me because God has leveled me up. And then I started sowing largely. And my wife and I, I remember the first time we sowed $1,000 to the Lord. And I thought, my Lord, I feel like I'm all, I'm Billy Graham and Osborne and all of them wrapped into one man. And we put it in and, and we sewed it and sewed it and sewed it. And I thought we got to the place where we looked at each other and realized it doesn't mean the same thing anymore because God kept blessing us. He keeps on blessing us. I remember when we first sewed 5,000, the first time we wrote a check for 10,000 and gave it to the work of the Lord. And I thought, my God, but you understand the more God blesses you, it takes that introspection to keep growing. It's like when you go to the gym, you might've started by bench pressing 150 pounds, but it comes a time it ain't hard anymore. You're just throwing it up. It's time to increase. It's time to increase because the only way to grow is to keep in that place where you're doing what means something to you. Here's what I mean. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't take faith. Yeah. <sighs> Hallelujah. 
I would never give God something that I would, wouldn't give to a 10-year-old at his birthday party. You know what I mean by that? Here you go, God. I found a, found a 10 in my pocket. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> Amen. We'll go to Walmart, and in the checkout, as we're walking out, we'll drop stuff in the cart on the checkout that's more than that. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for all the loud shouts. Listen, don't everybody run around the church at the same time. Oh, I know it gets quiet when you preach on the offering, but I, it needs to be said. Because you realize that less, less than 10% of the church actually tithes under the Lord. You know, forget giving. If the whole body of Christ would just pay their tithes, how much money do we establish would have come in? $250 billion would be out of the body of Christ in one year? One year. Worldwide, $250 billion would come into the body to preach the gospel, to see souls saved in one year. Not giving, just tithing. Woo, glory to God. That gets me excited. Hallelujah. And I want you to see this now. Here's the, here's the main key. Luke 22 and verse 35. This is why I told you it's all about his word. It's about what he speaks to you. And uh, Luke twenty two thirty five. 35. And Jesus said unto his disciples that were coming back from their work, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. No knapsack, no money bag, no extra sandals, no extra clothes. Just go do the work of the Lord and watch me provide for you. And when he came back, what'd they say? We didn't lack one thing. Why? Here's the key. When I sent you. Somebody say, when Jesus sends me. Say, when Jesus sends me. See, when he gives you an instruction, it makes all the difference in the world. Because when he ordains it, then there's blessing on it. Can you say amen? amen? So when I sent you, did you lack anything? You know how I know that they were telling the truth? Because Thomas was still in the group. <laughs> and if there's even one night where they missed a bed or missed a meal, he'd be like, well, actually, Lord, there was a night there when we didn't get I got some receipts for reimbursement here. You know how I know that it was the truth? Judas was still in the group. Uh, yeah, Lord, actually there was a few nights there I wasn't able to steal anything from the treasury. No, but they all answered and said, nothing. Somebody shout nothing. Now see, that's why we pray. I don't ever do anything for the Lord without praying. Because I want to hear his voice. I want to hear his instruction. Here's why. He knows more about my future than I do. He knows more about my call than I do. He knows more about my purpose than I do. And he knows what I'm going to need in the future. If he does, that means he knows what I need to sow now to reap then to be successful in my purpose. Do you believe it? And so we're going to pray. And in just a moment, do what the Lord tells you to do. See, it's all about obeying his voice for yourself. And when you're willing and obedient, Isaiah 119, you eat the good of the land. Somebody say the good of the land. By the way, there's a big difference between the good of the land and everything else. I found out when I was in Bible school, when I was a teenager going in from high school to Bible school, I didn't have any money. It was the first time I ever lived by myself. And that's when I realized my mom spoiled me growing up. I didn't know how to cook one thing. Not one. Went to Walmart, grabbed a few tombstone pizzas, and I saw something in the frozen food section that I'd never seen before. Looked good on the package called Steakums. 
I grabbed a box of Steakums. I thought, my God, I'm going to make those that look so good on the package. If you're not familiar with what Steakums are, it's a cardboard product that once cooked tastes something like steak. <laughs> Filled with sodium. <laughs> Ate one and was dehydrated. And then I can remember the first time I ever went to a nice steakhouse after Bible school. One of those, you know, one of them real good ones where you don't understand half the things on the menu. And they, I still wanted to look like I knew what I was talking about. So the waiter came over, he said, what would you like? I said, I know exactly what I want. The filet mignon, please bring it out. <laughs> I want the 10 Oz, not the eight Oz. <laughs> Want to let him know I was, I had culture, amen. And that thing came out on a plate by itself. It was a la carte, there was nothing else with it. When you order a steak, you get a steak. That's it, maybe a little extra juice. But I remember cutting into that bad boy. I said, I want it medium rare. I looked at the house. Oh, it looks good. Perfectly cooked. And when I took the bite of that filet mignon in that steakhouse and tasted that steak, I thought, it ain't steakums. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Now, you could survive on steakums, maybe. <laughs> but the good of the land is a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse filet mignon, medium rare, 10 ounces with some palm frites. Hallelujah. That's just a fancy way of saying French fries. And when you taste that steak, you realize there's a big difference between survival mode and the good of the land. And the Lord said, I'm not just going to let you survive. You're going to thrive in Jesus' name. You'll eat the good of the land. Why? He's your loving heavenly father. He wants to bless you. He cares about you. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He wants you to bless your generation and your kingdom as his covenant man or woman on the earth. Can you say amen? Bow your heads all over the house. Father, would you speak to your people tonight? We thank you for your voice. We thank you for your mighty word. We thank you, Lord, that you're empowering every one of us to do what you've called us to do. We know time's running out, time's short, and there are people that don't know who Jesus is. Use us, Lord, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to every unsaved man or woman we come across. Open doors for us that have not yet previously opened. Let this be the most impactful year that we've ever had. Lord, I pray that the churches of America would stand up in strength and power and preach this gospel unashamed of the message of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'd uncover and expose the plans of the wicked. Blow your breath from heaven and blow every wicked thing out of the path of your church. And Father, we thank you that Jesus is building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it in Jesus' wonderful name. Now, Lord, I pray you bless your people that are faithful. I pray that that you continue to bless their children and their grandchildren. Bless every minister across this nation around the world. Give us a new boldness to preach your word. And we thank you. This will be the best year the church has ever seen. In Jesus' wonderful name, we expect harvest to come quickly back. We thank you that your word promises us seed time and harvest will never cease as long as the earth remains. We give you honor, glory, and praise. And if you believe it, somebody say amen. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. I just want you to stand up right where you're at. Hold your envelope up. Thank you very much. You know, the word that we're waiting on 
to sow is not should we. When we come together, the, the word teaches us and has said already that when we receive the word ministered to us, we should sow. That word's already given. Yeah. The issue is, Lord, how much do you want me to sow tonight? Right. What is it that you would have us to give? And so as we determine that in our heart and we, we give in a cheerful and an abounding heart, all of a sudden something happens. This becomes not just money. It becomes not just greenback becomes a worship to the Lord. And so right now, I just want you just to see it as worship. And if you're giving tonight, uh, as you're giving tonight, you can make checks out to Boomerang Church. You can go online to givebc.org or cash uh, the cash app, GiveBC. Uh, you, can, you can text the information's there on the screen. But turn it into worship by saying, Lord, ah, this is what I want to give to you. It's my heart to give to you. Lord, I love you. And Lord, as I sow this, I know that in your word, you, just, you don't just talk about it going away. You talk about it being planted. It's not just given, it's sown. And Lord, we expect to harvest. Father, thank you for sustaining us. Thank you, Lord, for causing us not just to survive, but to thrive. Lord, that's your love, that's your goodness. Lord, we receive it and we give it as a worship and a faith to receive in Jesus name. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. When you're ready, you can bring it up, throw it in the basket. Father, right now, every seed is holy and precious. Every penny, Lord, it's your goodness. It's your goodness poured out in our lives. It represents work. It represents the sweat. Lord, it represents the people's heart towards you. Lord, we call it holy. It's going into souls. It's going into making disciples. It's advancing your kingdom around the world and Lord we don't take it lightly. Lord it is holy to you and Father we purpose in our hearts if it's holy to you it's holy to us and Lord that's how we see it. Now let this holy thing be blessed, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into our lives. The Father we thank you for it and we praise you and we worship you in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Good evening. Hallelujah. I'll try that again. That was a little light. Good evening. Okay, there we go. Amen. I want to uh, do something real quickly. All this week, uh, I've had the pleasure and the honor of having my mom here with me. And I want her to just raise her hand. She's here with uh, herself and her friend Susie. And we're so glad to have you. And uh, I've enjoyed you being here this whole week. And I hope that you've been blessed. And uh, it's our honor to have you. And I just felt like I was supposed to point you out tonight. So she's right there. She's right there in the red with the salt and pepper hair, if you wonder where I get it from. And so there. Anyway, I love you, and I'm glad you're here. So it's been a blessing to me. So the other night I talked about, hey, man, good to see you, Daddy. Love you. And the pastor, it's so good to see you. And nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And, and you, and you, okay, and, and Pastor Steve, yes, and, and Phil. It's so, so good to have everybody. And <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. It's good to see you. 
Yeah, I love you, man. Um, so the other night we talked about contagiousness. And one of the things that we talked about was the contagiousness of the Holy Ghost. And uh, one of the things that I said, and I felt led to say it again tonight, was what we really saw last year, and I didn't really have words to put to it until just the other day, is that I saw most of the church, a whole lot of the body of Christ, that was more concerned with the contagiousness of a curse than they were with the contagiousness of the truth. They were more concerned, and, and, and that's very telling. It's very telling in the church when we realize we're more concerned about the curse than we are with the truth. We've got the solution, and but we've been more concerned with the problem than we are with the solution. And when we get in that place, you... Well, no wonder things are going to go bad. No wonder when your eyes are set on the wind and the waves and not on Jesus. I mean, you're going to sink. You're going to sink. If your eyes are set on the wind and the waves and not on Jesus, you're going to sink. But when his eyes were on Jesus, he did the supernatural. He did the impossible. The church is called to do the supernatural. The church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ is called to do the impossible. Called to do the supernatural. But they'll never do it with their eyes on the curse, with their eyes on the problem. They only do it when they say, Jesus, you are the source of my life. You're the one I'm living for. You're the one I'm going after. And then all of a sudden, right there, when the wind and the waves, you understand this is a place where death could have happened in the physical, but here's Jesus and Peter walking right across the water, right? Walking across, doing the supernatural, the impossible. Because his eyes were on Jesus and Jesus had spoken the word. One word has all the provision that you need. One word has all the provision that you need. One word can change a life. Yeah. Two nights ago, uh, I, two nights ago, I don't know if you know this or not. We were praying for people at the end of the service, and uh, we've had multiple testimonies already. But I, I want to share this one because it was so point blank, right? Two nights ago, one service, there, there was a couple of ladies that flew down from New York State. One of the ones that Brother Ted was talking about. Flew down from New York State. The one had sowed a seed two weeks ago. And now God has shown and has $30,000 on the way. It's over 300 times what she sowed. $30,000 to erase debt. That was two weeks ago. One word, one seed planted in the right place, right? Now, here's the other thing. That was one testimony. The other testimony, we had people up here praying. I came around this corner to pray for people. The Holy Spirit said, go pray for that lady. I've never seen her before that night. They were only here for one night. She told me afterwards as we were, as we were wrapping up, well, when I went and prayed for her, I went and the Lord, I was going to pray for her, just probably grab her hands. The Lord specifically said, put your hand on the top of her head. Now, what, what did we talk about two nights ago? The contagiousness of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. We need his words. We need his power, right? I, and I took my hand, and, and I'm a man that God flows through just like he'll flow through every believer, right? Not just pastors, every believer, everyone. Took my hand, laid it on her head. She was standing right over here. Some of you may have seen it. I didn't know what was going on. I just know God said, put your hand on her head. 
She said, I've had an issue with skin and I had some problems. She said, I felt something change. I went to the bathroom and checked it out and everything was completely healed, completely brand made new. Had it for a long time. Had it for a long time. God just healed. That was two nights ago. One word can change everything. One seed can change everything. One service on a rainy night can change everything. Is there anybody going to receive something tonight? I believe you are. I believe you are. But we've got to be more concerned about the things of God and Jesus and the solution than we are about other things. I see people that are more concerned about Jesus tonight simply because you, you braved some of the weather, you know. You know, I, it's one of those things where, have, have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, we've gotten soft? <laughs> maybe, just maybe, we've gotten soft. Like, we just let stuff come in the way. And what if, what if these two uh, young ladies that were here the other night, what if they let... The, the cost of the plane ticket get in the way. You see, if we will purpose in our heart to go after God, God will give us the seed that we need. He will provide. He will bring it about. It may be different way than you think or a different you know, path or channel that you think, but God will bring it about. What would have happened if they weren't here? I don't know exactly, but I know this. They were hungry, and God's made a promise about this. I will fill the hungry and the thirsty. They will be satisfied. That's the character and nature of God. But we've got to not be soft on our flesh, put our flesh down, submit it, get hungry for the things of God. And when we see ourselves more concerned about the problem and the curse than we are with Jesus as the solution, we can know that's an issue. That's something, that's a symptom we've gotten soft in our, on our flesh. We've gotten soft and we need to put some things, we need to tighten up some things. We need to lock it up, right? And if we will, God says, look, if you diligently seek me in the King James in Hebrews eleven six, if you diligently seek me, he said, I'm a rewarder. I'm a rewarder. These ladies, they diligently sought. God rewarded. Diligently sought. God rewarded. God rewarded. Say it with me. God rewarded. God is a rewarder. Amen. Amen. We need to be contagious in our life contagious in how we live. I was thinking today, meditating some, just on being a disciple. And a disciple is not just somebody that knows things. A disciple is one who's disciplined. That means their actions are different. Their actions are different. They don't look the same. Their actions are different. I remember as a young man, and Nicole can verify this, back around the year 2000, and this is this part of the story. We'll come back as we get into the message a little bit more. But uh, I remember in the year 2000, Nicole and I got married in 1999, and uh, we went and <clears throat> we went to a new town, and we didn't know anybody. And basically, it ended up just being uh, me and Nicole and and Jesus, and we in what we affectionately call the ugly house. And uh, the ugly house was, we called it the ugly house because the ugly house was, was ugly. And uh, that was it. And weeds were coming up through the walls and we could look out and see if it was raining or dry through the, through the floorboards. That's not a joke. That's a reality. You know, we could tell it was the ugly house. We call it that. 
because it was. And it was us, the ugly house, and Jesus. That was it. We didn't know anybody, and the Lord had moved us there, and we grew up together in this place. And all of a sudden, we just got on fire for the Lord. We got on fire for the Lord. We got hungry for Him. We got hungry. And matter of fact, I would say we went beyond hungry and we went on into hungry. We, we went just straight into hungry. You know, we were hungry for, for the Lord. And it's the thing, when you get hungry for the Lord, he'll, he'll meet you. And he met us there. He met us there. And one thing happened is, if there was a Holy Ghost meeting anywhere close, we got there. We didn't care how long it went. It's like, well, it might go to 11 o'clock. And there's not many of those. Here, it could happen. But um, there's not a whole lot of those all over the place. But we didn't care. I don't care how long it goes. We want Jesus. We want Jesus. I don't care. I don't care. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And we got hungry. Jesus met us. And, and he just kept filling us and kept filling us. And there were people in the church that we went to, and they're like, they're just growing so fast. And we weren't really growing fast. We were just growing faster than other people because we were hungrier than other people. And we just said, you know what? If there's a meeting of the Holy Ghost, we're getting there like these guys. You know, they said, we're going to be there this week. Right. Drove in. How old are you? 16. 17. 17. Driving in. Why? Because they're hungry. 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 You think that's normal, worldly, 16, 17-year-old behavior? But it is for a hungry person. And I'm telling you, if there was a Holy Ghost meeting within driving distance, man, I got there. If it went for two weeks, I didn't care. I was there every night I could get there. I'm there. I'm there. Why? Hungry. We're designed to be contagious. There's a heavenly contagiousness. I talked about the other night. Let's look at Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. John the Baptist said, he says, I baptize you with water, but there's one who's coming who's mightier than I. I'm not fit to untie the thongs of his sandals, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but we also need the baptism of the fire of God. We need the baptism of the fire of God. There's something that happens when the fire of God touches you. During that period of time when we got hungry, the fire of God touched us. It touched our lives. One of the things that you'll see is, is when you see the Trinity, you see the Holy Ghost show up in Acts chapter 2. What came along with the loud noise? Also came a tongue as of a fire, a fire of the Holy Ghost there. You'll see, you'll see in Revelation uh, chapter 1 and verse 12 through 18. Ted's been talking about it uh, several. I'm going to read it in just a second. How Jesus was a fire. 
Then you see in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29, our God, our Father, He is a consuming fire. You see the fire in the presence of the Holy Ghost, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Our God is truly a consuming fire. And to be touched with the fire is to be touched by God. Not something to shy away from, something to run into. But there's an issue because fire changes things. Fire changes things. Fire doesn't leave things the same. It changes things. It changes the chemical makeup. When something takes uh, fire, it changes forever. It is marked. It's never the same. It doesn't act the same. It doesn't look the same because it's truly not the same. And God wants us to be marked with fire. Let me show you this full passage here. Revelation chapter 1 starting in verse 12. It says, and, and John, the revelator, he's hearing from Jesus. And then he says in verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, now, and just watch this language and this descriptive language. And, and just think, picture it in your own mind. What does this look like? He says, I saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet. And girded across his chest was a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet were like burnished bronze. In other words, they were like, they were like a heated up bronze when it has been made to glow in the furnace. In other words, his feet had a glow about him. They had a fire about them. His eyes had a fire about him. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he held out seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. His face shone like the sun. You know, the sun you can't look at. The sun that's so bright you can't even look up into it. The fire, you know, the, that big ball of burning gas on fire up in the sky that from 93 million miles away still heats our planet. <laughs> that's a lot of fire. And his face shone like that. He said, when I saw him, I fell to his feet like a dead man. No wonder. If you saw him in his full manifestation like that, what do you think you would do? Oh, Jesus, so good to see you. Nice to have you here tonight. We're glad you came into the service. No. You did the same thing that happened to John. No way I'm standing here. I'm hitting my knees. I'm hitting my face. Jesus, the the our Savior and our Lord, full of the fire of God. Hit your face. We, you know, I said earlier, have we gotten soft? It, it's, you know, one of the things that I can tell we've gotten soft in this, in this time and in this age is we've, we've lost our fear and reverence of God. We, overall, not everybody, but we've lost our fear and our reverence of God. 
And in the middle of that, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've lost wisdom. We've lost wisdom. But it's a time where wisdom's coming back because a reverence of, of God is coming back. A reverence of the Lord is coming back. There's something, something happening in the hearts of his body. There's something happening that's drawing us up, that's saying, Lord, I will reverence you. I will esteem you. I, I, Lord, I give you the glory. I give you the glory. I'm, I'm the clay. I'm the pot. You're the potter. Lord, whatever you want to do, do. Lord, move how you want to move. Lord, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care if I'm rolling around laughing on the floor. I don't care if you knock me out in the Holy Ghost. I don't care if the camera's on me or off me. I don't care. Lord, I reverence you. I reverence you. I need you. I got to have you. I got to have you. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. Death and Hades. I've got the keys. God the Father is a consuming fire. The Holy Spirit comes with fire. Jesus is a fire of God. I want you to see this. See, this fire, though, uh, many, many times people are like, I don't know. Because here's the thing. As soon as they start to hear about the fire of God, they start to realize, I can't live the same way. I can't live the same way. I can't go about life the same way. You know, in that, in that moment uh, down in the ugly house, uh, Nicole and I got a hold of some, uh, some videotapes that had come from Brownsville Revival. And uh, it was David Hogan. And the name of the videotapes were Faith to Raise the Dead. And uh, actually, the first night that Ted and I met, we talked about those tapes. Because I wanted to know if he, knew, if he knew that guy. And that guy, he's seen more stuff uh, happen. I mean, he's seen literally in their ministry, they've seen over 500 people raised from the dead. Like, like legit raised from the dead, not just, you know, do they have a pulse? Well, I'm not sure. No, it, it, legit, they're down in the jungles of Mexico. They've, they've seen translation, you know, where you cease to be in one place and you appear somewhere else, like what they had in there. They've seen, they've seen all kinds of healing, miracles, I mean, just, and they'd seen the fire of God. And on one of those videos, they started talking about the baptism of fire. And I'm young, and I don't have a clue what he's talking about, but what it, it sounded so good. It just sounded so good. The baptism of fire. I was like, Lord, I don't even know if that's you. I think it is because I know that verse. I think it is. But, Lord, I, if it's you, I want it. I want it. And I remember I watched those. I could quote those videos. You, you know, we didn't have YouTube out like them, but I could literally, I could go down and tell you what they were about to say. And if you put them on today, I can still tell you a lot of what he's going to say. Because I, when I saw those, that preaching, I went, where in America is this kind of preaching? Where's this kind of preaching? Where is it? Pastor Brian, you better get up here in this seat right here. I just saw you come in. Come on up here. Sit up here. <laughs> but I said, where in America is this kind of preaching? Where is this kind of preaching? Where is it? 
I need to see it. I kept on listening to 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 it. Well, he keeps preaching every time I come back to this one tape. He's talking about the baptism of fire, the fire of God. You know, there's a thing. We're talking about a contagiousness. You know, you can take one small flame, put it next to any type of combustible, and before long, even if it was wet, even if it was wet wood, that one small flame will start to dry it out. And if it sits there long enough, it will catch it on fire. And I was young and dumb and didn't know that much stuff, but that fire that was on that preacher, it started to get on me. And before I knew it, I was saying, Lord, baptize me with fire. Baptize me with fire. Baptize me with fire, Lord. I didn't even know what I was asked for. I'll tell you this. When it came, I didn't even know what I had. <laughs> I didn't even know it. But I knew I was different. Not long after that, I went to a meeting. Here was the sad part too. When it did come, and it came, because if you ask the Lord to do something and it's his word, he'll, he'll pour it out. The sad part was nobody around me knew what had happened to me. I had nobody that could help me, nobody that could direct me. Nobody, nobody knew what had happened. And I didn't know because I was young. I, I should have spent more time in the Word, honestly. I should have gone after Him. I should have been looking for people that knew, and I didn't. You know, but I didn't, I didn't know any better at that time. I know better now. But I went to a meeting. Again, all I had was enough money to get to the meeting. I gave, I think, a $7 offering and a one-penny offering in these meetings. That's all I had. I gave everything, and I had just enough gas to get back home. What was I going to do next week? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I'm getting to these meetings. There's a Holy Ghost meeting in Charlotte an hour and 15 minutes away. I'm there. I heard, hey, there's going to be power there. There's going to be, they're going to preach about Jesus there. I'm there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I've been praying for the baptism of fire. I'm sitting up there. All of a sudden, I'm sitting up there, and uh, this guy gets up, and he's preaching, and he's preaching about the will of God and the heart of God. He's preaching about, he's preaching about knowing what God wants and the mind of Christ. He's preaching about these things, and uh, he says, if you want to have the heart of God and the mind of Christ, come up for prayer. I was like, I want that. He didn't ask about the baptism of fire. He just said, do you want the heart of God and the mind of Christ? I said, yes, I want that. I said, okay. If you were here a couple nights ago, okay. God said, all right. I was standing back. I still had plenty of religion in me. And I was about six or seven rows back. And in front of me, it was like 50, 25 to 50 people in every row. And uh, this, this man's going down the row and he's laying hands on people. And it looked like this. Boom, out, boom, fall out, boom, fall out, boom, fall out, boom, fall out. Every one of them, 100%. It was amazing. It's like a miracle, you know. Every one of them falling out. And I was sitting back there in my little religious self and I was going... Now, God, I know that you are not knocking out all of these people. Like, why are you honoring that? I know y'all never had any of those thoughts, but I was thinking it that day. You know, I was young and dumb. I already told you that part. And so I'm sitting there. And I'm like, now, why are you honoring this? 
They're falling out and they're putting on a show and they're in emotion. And, and why are you honoring this? And the Lord, in all of his gentleness and his love towards me, in all of his gentleness, he said, he said, you're right. Not all of them are feeling that. But he just like ignored my question. <laughs> you know how God can do sometimes like, see, so gentle. He's so loving and merciful. And sure enough, he's sitting there and he said, he said, you're right. He said, but for some of them, that's their way of showing their heart and submission to me. And I went, well, I want to do that. <laughs> and he said, then fall out. I mean, I'm sitting here like waiting on my little prayer and me and the Lord are having this conversation. He said, fall out. And the man comes down and sure enough, in between where he was at and to me, 100%, all of them fell out. And I was like, well, I guess me too. You know, but before then, if me and God wouldn't have had that conversation, I probably would have been like this. You know, like this. Oh, I ain't going down. I ain't going down unless you blow me down, Lord. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't in the position of yielding at all. The Lord, I mean, he helped me, you know, because I'd have been like, no, nah, let's um, have not done all stand. Take this, preacher, you know, Gah. yeah, I'm ready. But no, and so anyway, he comes by, everybody's going out and everything like this. And, and so I was sitting there and uh, he laid his hand on me and I was like, I feel nothing. I didn't feel a thing. Not when I felt his hand. Power of God? Nope. Didn't feel it at all. But I did want to submit to whatever God had for me. Now remember, what had I been hungry for and what I've been praying for? The baptism of the fire of God. And I was hungry enough to go and spend every bit of money we had to get to a meeting where the Holy Ghost was at. And all of a sudden, he, I didn't feel a thing. But because I wanted to yield to the Lord, I did this. And I fell out and somebody caught me. And I want you to know something. When I hit the ground, the moment my body touched the ground, it was like God himself took his finger and stuck it straight in my chest. And I felt something then. And I started shaking under the power of God. And the glory of God touched my mind, touched my heart, touched my body. My whole body was shaking under the power of God. Instantly in that moment, I had a vision. I'd never had a vision like this before. But instantly in that moment, I had a vision. And in the vision, I was standing up on a, on a, like a pile of rocks, like on a mountain. And in front of me was a road. And I've heard many actual visions like this before. And on this road was the sea of humanity traveling down this road called life. And I was watching this sea of humanity. And I would see every now, now and then in this road, I would see like a beam of light. Boo, boo, choo, boo, like this. I wouldn't hear those noises. I was just helping y'all. And uh, But I would see this light and all of a sudden, and I knew that those were people being born again. It reminded me of like the Star Trek, like beam me up Scotty. That's the way. But here's the issue. If there were a thousand people on that road, there might have been three out of that thousand that were that beam of light. And I knew that in life, they were people in the kingdom of darkness and there was only a few here and there that were getting born again. And the, all of a sudden, at the end of the road, there was like this crowd and everybody's laughing and talking. They're walking down 
down this road, but here, right here, represented the end of it and the end of life. And there was a cliff here. And off the cliff was the lake of eternal fire. And they didn't realize it till they got right to the edge. I'm at the edge of my life. And they saw the fire and they saw the cliff. And the last two or three rows of people would scream in terror and try to turn around. But the wave of life and the people and the flow of life would push them over the edge and into that lake of fire. And I'm standing up here watching this. you got to remember, I'm on the ground in a meeting, but in this vision, I'm there. It's so real to me. And, and I want you to see something. Remember, what we had prayed for was the heart of God, the mind of Christ. And let me tell you what the heart of God and the mind of Christ was. Every soul that was lost felt like a dagger and a jagged dagger stuck into my heart and twisted, and it wasn't just one time and then there was pain. No, everyone that fell off, whoo, boom, 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 everyone, I felt everyone. And it, it moved me so much, and I was so torn. Because you have to see that even though the Lord might have lost that person to hell, He still loves them with an everlasting love, and that love doesn't go away. And God has a heart for people. He's got a heart for every soul. And like Brother Ted said earlier, there's a time to put your hand to the plow and be about the harvest, but it's soon coming that it'll be night. And we got to be about his business. And the fire of God is there to be a contagious force on this earth to win souls and make disciples. And I started crying and weeping and snot. And I didn't care. I don't care who saw me. It was the heart of God. I needed it. And I was just, and literally, my body was shaking so much. And I was, I felt like I was going to die. Not like figuratively. I literally thought, if the Lord doesn't remove this vision from me, I don't think I'm going to make it. Physically, like I'm going to go to heaven today. If he doesn't remove this vision, it hurt so bad. And I saw the heart of God for each and every soul that day. And I come up out of that vision. And I'm literally, for the next three or four days straight, I'm shaking. And I can't stop. I tried to stop. I couldn't stop. I would just shake and I couldn't stop. And my stomach... My stomach literally, and from morning till night, would just sit there and like this and just, just vibrate. It was just like moving like this. I couldn't stop. God had baptized me with the fire of God. And I'd been marked with his presence and with his power. And I'd been changed. And I never can go back before that day and become what I was before. I've been changed forever from that day. I would lay there in bed, and all of a sudden I'd say, feel this. And, and she'd feel it, my stomach would just be quaking and trembling with this fire of God that was shut up in my bones. And I had to get it out. And all of a sudden, here was this, you know, and I'd say, look, I can't stop this. I've tried to, like, mentally stop it. It's not stopping. And, and after about three days, it stopped. But if I would start to think about Jesus or read a scripture, it'd go and then come right back on me. It did that for the next two to three months. I pray in the Holy Ghost, it just come right up. It just come right up, come right up. The fire of God. It marked me. It changed me.
Unfortunately, I didn't know what I had and nobody around me knew what I had and there was nobody to help disciple me or teach me or train me or anything and I didn't know enough to go and figure it out. I just thought like it'd always be there, but that wasn't the case. It, you know, it was there and I was marked and changed and people were amazed at the change that happened to me. But eventually, because I didn't really go after it, it, it didn't go away, but it diminished. It diminished. But from that day forward, from that day forward, I was not the same. I was not the same. And I'd get around, I'd get around ministers and they wouldn't like me. Because I was hungry for Jesus. And even though it had diminished, it was heavier than, than a lot of them. And they wouldn't like me. And, and you know what? I like it when people in the church get hungrier for God than I've been. Push me. Glory to God. I want you to push me. I want you to read more than I do. I want you to pray more than I do. Because I don't like that. I'm, gonna not, I'm, I'm not going to allow that for very long. It pushes me to jump in and be hungry too. And that's the thing. We're supposed to encourage each other. We're supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be carrying something that's contagious. The fire of the Lord. The fire of the Lord. It changes you forever. It marks you. Let's read this verse. Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. Let me show you something because I don't think a lot of times we've seen this or paid attention to this verse. Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Jesus said this. I have come to cast fire upon the earth. And oh, how I wish it was already kindled. Yeah. I've come to cast fire on it. I've come to cast fire on the earth. Go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 and 11. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. He said, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Next verse. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word right there, fervent, one of the ways to translate that is boiling in your spirit. Boiling in your spirit. A fervency that's overflowing. You don't get to boiling without allowing a fire to set you and light you up. We're supposed to have a fervency in our spirit, a boiling in our spirit that we don't want to go down. We don't want for it to diminish, but a fire for the Lord that just keeps us running, keeps us running, keeps us running. Last night, Carolyn was joking. I think uh, Brother Ted was telling something. We were sitting at the table and both of us were sitting there and she said, look at y'all. Both of us are sitting there and we are both doing this. Like that. Both of us. And I was like, I know, I know. We, I was like, but I ain't stopping it. 
We got something boiling in us. There's something that's got to get out of us. We're ready to run at all times, day and night, after we preach, before we preach. We wake up ready to go, ready to get something done in the kingdom. It's more than just a nervous thing or a physical thing. There's a boiling. There's a fervency in our spirit. We got to get something out. That's just a manifestation of it. We can't sit still while it's time to harvest. It's time to go after it. It's time for a change. It's time for a fire. It's time for a fire. Not just to be in preachers, but to be in every believer. There's a boiling in our spirit. There's a fervency in our spirit. Fire changes you. At the burning bush or, or the bush with the fire in it. Moses was changed. He was changed forever with an encounter of, of the fire. He went from being scared to being bold when he had an encounter with the fire of God. When he went up onto the mountain where God descended in a fire, he became filled with the glory of God, so much so that it scared the people around him. The glory overflowed him and brought them to fear, their own fault. But they came to a fear of the glory because the encounter with the fire changed him. Changed him. You look in Isaiah 6, the encounter with the fire changed Isaiah forever. Quickly give you seven characteristics and benefits of the fire of God. Number one, the fire of God illuminates. In Exodus 13, 21, the pillar of fire, it would show them where to walk. It would show them what's coming up. It would illuminate their path. The fire of God illuminates where we need to go. It helps us see that fire of God in that, that I received in that vision that day. That fire of God, it illuminated. You've got one goal, souls. You've got one purpose, souls. Going after the souls, whatever it takes. Build a church, get an abundance to do everything every good word, but it's all about souls. That's the age. That's the harvest. It's all about souls. That's the heart of God in this age. Souls, souls, souls. That's what he longed for. That's who he loves. That's who he loves eternally. You got to be about souls. You got to be about them. It illuminates. The fire of God illuminates our path. Second benefit or characteristic is the fire of God. Let's read these verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 14. The fire of God tests and tries our work. See, many times, just um, as you're turning there and putting that up on the screen, you were in the meetings last week, and Brother Ted was talking about how his dad got up, and the, the gifts were operating in him so strongly, and he was calling out words, and all of a sudden it, it got so much that the fire of God started illuminating some things in people, and it started testing where their heart was really at, trying where they were at, that fire that was in his dad and operating, and people got scared of him. They were like, I don't want to come near the fire because I know my, I won't stand up to the fire. So which is better for us to do? To run from the fire or say, Lord, help me come into the fire. 
Help me get prepared that I can come into your presence and stay in your presence where your presence starts solving things. The fire of God, it tests and it tries. And yes, your flesh is not going to like it, but it is worthy and it is something that's worthy of going after. That fire of God. Look at these verses. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then now face to face. Face. Now I know in part, but is that the right? Oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 14. That's not it. There you go. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, verse 13, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Verse 14, and if any man's work which he has built on, it remains, he will receive a reward. How many people want to get to heaven and you worked what you thought all your life was for the kingdom of God, and you come up to heaven and Jesus says, well, that's, that's a, a, a life, but I have no reward for you. Enter into heaven, but there's no reward. The fire of God will test our work. And it'll make sure that it's sure. We don't want to go through life and do all this work and, and then come to find out. God never said to do any of that. We want the fire of God present so that if that fruit remains, we know that it's God. We need the fire of God in our life and on our ministry. We need the fire of God to test it because we don't want to get up there and find out, oh, that wasn't good enough. It didn't pass the fire. And those rewards are eternal. Those are things you're going to have forever or not have forever. We want to make sure that fire, it will test and prove the holiness, the purity, the purity of what God's showing us in our life. The fire tests and tries. Third thing, the fire of God separates and purifies. Malachi 3, 2 through 4, it's talking about Jesus is like a refiner's fire. The word is like that refiner's fire. And God is that. And here's what it says. He will refine it like silver and gold. What will happen is that fire will start to bring that silver and it will start to purify. It will separate out the trash and leave nothing but the holy, nothing but the pure. It is truly a separator of things holy and, and things that are holy and things that are common. And it allows us to see this doesn't belong. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. The next thing is, he frees the fire of God. It frees us, delivers us, and protects us. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, we have the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they walk in, they get thrown into the fire. The fire's so hot, it eats up their captors. The captors die throwing them in. And they, walk, they go into the fire with bondages on. But they come out of the fire without any smell of smoke. And all of their bondages are broke off. They're free. They're protected. They're delivered. The fire of God is a deliverer. You see other places where the fire comes down and consumes the enemies of God. It's a deliverer. It's a protector. We want the fire of God. We want to see the separation. We want to see the purifying. We want to see the deliverance and the protection in the fire of God. We want to see the illumination. 
Our God, the fire of God is also consuming. It consumes everything that can be consumed. We want to be consumed by it, but through Jesus, we can stand in the fire with him. Through Jesus, we can be like those three boys. Standing in the fire with Jesus. Through Jesus, you won't be consumed. So you don't have to fear the fire. Your flesh might not like it, but you don't have to fear it. Because through Jesus, he will bring about everything that you need. He will bring about that deliverance. He'll bring about everything. But here's the other thing. Everything that stands in your way that's been holding you up, that's been holding you back, everything that's been holding back the ministry, when we come into the fire of God, if it's been in the way, the fire of God will start to consume every bit of it. It can't stay around it. There's things that we need in our ministry for the fire of God to consume so that we can be about His purpose. But in order for it to get in our ministry, it's got to get in us. There's things in your life. There's people that their calling is to be businessmen that are wealthy for the things of God. And there's things that have been holding back that business. And you might have been doing good, but how good could you be doing? If you had the heavenly blessing without anything standing in your way, if you had a supernatural blessing from God and the fire consumed everything that came in the way, every hurdle of your business, and it started consuming it all, where could it go? But see, that fire can't come into your business until it comes into us. That fire can't come into your church until it comes into us. That fire can't come into your house until mom and dad said it's coming into us. Till somebody says, Lord, I want your fire. And my flesh might not like it. I might have to put down my feelings. I might have to put down this stuff. But I want your fire. I need to be contagious. I need to be after souls. I've got to have something about you. And the fire of God is it. Got to have it. The fire of God illuminates. Second, tests and tries. It separates and purifies, frees, delivers, and protects. It's a consuming fire. And we said it in this other verse already before. It is a reveal. It reveals the hidden. See, there could be hidden obstacles in your life, in your business, in your ministry. One of the beauties about the fire of God is you come into an all-consuming fire and anything that can't stand will be consumed. It'll be consumed. It won't be able to stand. So even though it was hidden from you, even though it was hidden from you, it's not hidden from the eyes of God. And we don't even have to know that it's there necessarily. We just get ourselves, see, the Lord's given us so much mercy and so many things. He just says, come into my fire and I'll consume the things you don't even know about. I'll consume it. I'm thinking about the story with Bishop uh, David Oyedepo. And here he is. He was like, there was things that seemed to be holding back his ministry and holding back his ministry and holding back his ministry. They, they were hungry for the things of God. They started praying and fasting. In the middle of the prayer and fasting, the Lord said, come with me. He, he takes, takes them outside the building, goes back and looks back up at the ministry. And he sees over the ministry is like a dark cloud. It was a demonic attack. He commands it in the name of Jesus. In other words, it revealed that problem. This is a heart and a character of God, the nature of God, not to let you sit there and be held down and be in bondage for years and years and years, but no, to break through, to get through, for growth to happen in you and in the people, in your business, in your 
your home, in your family, in your children. They, God doesn't want them held back. He wants them set loose. He wants them set loose. The fire of God will reveal the hidden things. And this is the last one. The fire of God catches others. If you want a reference on how the fire of God catches others, just read the whole book of Acts. The whole book of Acts is nothing but the fire of God lighting up other people. Lighten up other people. And here's the thing about all these benefits and characteristics. The Word of God will establish them all. As we go into the Word, he said it, Brother Ted's been talking about it multiple times, Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my Word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that shatters the rock. In other words, everything that's been in your life that's been standing in the way, the Word of God will shatter it. His Word will be like a fire that will bring the purification. His Word will separate. His Word will reveal. His Word will illuminate. His Word that's let loose inside of our lives, it will catch others on fire. It will, it will consume all the things seen or unseen that are not of God in our lives. His Word, as we give ourselves to His Word, it's like a fire that will catch us and bring it about. That's why we got to know the Word. we got to get in the Word. we got to study the Word, examine the Word. We've got to allow the Word to have its place in our lives. Take us to the fire of God. See, all of the things that I've said already, they've been in the Word the whole time. Everything that the Lord showed me in that vision, it was in the Word the whole time. It's like a fire. A fire. We need the contagiousness of the fire of God. And Jesus said this by his word through John the Baptist. He says, I'm going to baptize you with water, but there's one coming that's greater than I. He said, I'm not even worthy enough to untie his shoes, but he will baptize you in the fire of God. I started going... I noticed a few, Brother Hagin used to have a saying, and he'd, he'd say, you know, sometimes, you know, when things didn't feel right, he had a saying that said it kind of felt like washing your feet with your socks on. It's like something's happening, but it just don't feel right. <laughs> something's happening, but that ain't it. That ain't, nope, nope, that's not right. And we were in ministry. We've been in ministry for about seven years or so. Started the church, boomerang, 12 years ago now. And we were sitting there, and I was like, man, we're, having, we're winning souls. We're making disciples. People are growing. Things are going great. But something's not right. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. I said, Lord, help me. Show me what's going on. I need to know what's going on. And I just started getting hungry for the things of God. Like, I don't know exactly what's off, but something's not right. I need something. And like if you compared us to other ministries, it looked like we're doing pretty good. I mean, it looked like everything was... But I knew, you just knew, something's off. And the Lord asked me this question. And he said, he said, what do I call normal? What do I call normal? And I started meditating on it. I started thinking about that. And I started realizing, and, and then he kind of defined it to me as I prayed it out some more. He was like, not what you call normal. What do I call normal? Then he started saying this. He said, he said not what you call good. Not what you call great. He said, just 
What do I call normal? And that question is just like you remember earlier when, when uh, Brother Ted talked about steakums, right? And then, you know, everybody's like, mm-hmm, been there, I know. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, he went on into the Ruth's Chris. How many people got hungry when he started talking about the Ruth's Chris? I mean, you can be honest. How many people were like, hmm? I know I was sitting there, I was like, Ted, come on now. I'm about, I got to go up and preach. I'm getting in the flesh right here on the front row. You start meditating on good things, you start getting hungry for it. And I started meditating on the normal things of God. I started, I started meditating on what God calls normal. And I'm thinking about things like this, like in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, pray this way. He says, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, that's normal to you. And I'm supposed to pray that on earth. And in heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no lack. In heaven, there's no, there's no problems. It's all solved. That's normal to you. I started thinking on this, like Galatians, where it says we are redeemed from the curse. And Galatians 3, redeemed means I'm completely bought back like it never happened at all. Like the curse has no effect on me. No more curse. I started thinking, that's normal to God. I started thinking about in the Old Testament, there was a man, a man who didn't have Jesus, who was under the curse, who under the fall of man, didn't have Jesus, but he looked to God and said, God, show me your glory. In Exodus 33, Moses, and God didn't go, nope, zap. Have some fire, Moses. No, he said, no, come into the fire with me. He was able to do that, and he didn't have Jesus yet. What's available and normal to you and me who has Jesus redeemed from the curse, who has entrance and a doorway into the normal of God? Moses gets so lit up with the glory of God. He's walking around. He's so lit, it starts scaring people. Where are those Christians? Where's that type of contagiousness? Where's that kind of normal? Enoch, under the fall, doesn't have Jesus. Walking and talking with God. How you doing, God? Good to see you. It's so good to be with you today. Finally, God, it just, the word says, he just took him. He just took him. Walking so tight with God. And he wasn't even redeemed through Jesus yet. That was normal to God. That wasn't bad or else God couldn't have took him. That was good. Where's this in Christianity? All of a sudden, I started meditating on the good things of God, and just like my flesh got hungry for the steak, I started getting hungry for things of God. I started, Lord, I want you more. I want you more. I want you more. I want you, Lord. i got to have you. Something started kindling. There started to be a little bit of a boiling on the inside of me, a little bit of a fervency, and then all of a sudden, I went to a meeting, and uh, Lou Engel was there. Doggone it. That man can talk anybody into fasting. (laughs) And he was sitting there and he was talking normal for a minute. And if you know Lou, he was standing up there behind the pulpit. And before you know it, he started doing this. And I was like, oh, we're in trouble now. Because that's what happened. That's what he does when he feels the Holy Ghost. He started doing this. And I was like, oh boy, it's on now. You know, all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, it's like, I want to do a 40-day fast. (laughs) Did I just say that? And Lou's like, yeah, you need to fast. And then we got to be fasting and all that. And I'm like, I'm with you. 
shut up. (laughs) No, my flesh was going, no, no, no. But my spirit was hungry for the normal of God. Hungry for the normal of God. And all of a sudden, I I started. (laughs) And uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to do this fasting thing for 40 days. And, and, And then, but here was the problem with it. In, in the 40 days that God laid out to me, I, there was a lot going on. It wasn't convenient. There were two birthdays, and I like birthday cake. And my flesh is like, you need to celebrate that birthday with your daughter. And I was like, I know. And I had like three trips I was going on, and I was coaching soccer and running every day during this whole 40-day fast. I'm out there with the kids running and doing all this. But I said, and the Lord said this, are you more hungry for me or are you hungrier for food? So, Lord, i got to have you. i got to have you. There's a boiling that's coming up in my spirit. There's something i got to have. And I'm telling you, that fast changed my life. I'll never be the same. And then one day I was at, after that fast, just the fire of God had started to kindle in me. But I wouldn't say that I had it again yet. It had diminished from that time. This was 15 years later. And I didn't know what I had then. I didn't know what I had back in the year 2000. I I didn't know what it was. 2001 is when that happened. I didn't know. But then one day I was coming back right after that fast. And I'd actually gone into a second fast. And I was on the way back from a meeting, and the Lord speaks to me while I'm driving in my car. I was driving from Florida to North Carolina, and I hadn't even got out of Florida yet, barely got out of the city, and I was hungry. I was down there because I was hungry. I was so hungry for the things of God. I don't want to lose it again. And the Lord speaks to me just as clear as day. He says, what you're after? And I perked up. I want to hear what I'm after. I want to hear it. He says, what you're after? is fresh fire. What you're after is fresh fire of God. Now, he didn't, say, he didn't say you're after the baptism of fire. He said you're after a fresh fire. And instantly I knew that's what I got back in 2001 and didn't know what to do with. I said, Lord, baptize me with fire again. baptize me with the fire. I got back home one day. The Lord called me into my office. I was on my knees in prayer. And while I was in prayer, I saw a vision. And all it looked like, you know, have you ever seen clouds billowing like that? Right? It was like that, except it was no clouds. It was all fire. Like I saw fire billowing from heaven. And I knew the fire of God was on its way. And before long, I started praying for people. And they'd start getting hot. And they'd start being like, whoo. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And there'd be a manifestation. Oh, this fire of God. What? Oh, I'm so hot. They're like, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. And it was having a physical manifestation of this fire of God. That fire of God, it marks us. It changes us. It catches other people. But we don't just need preachers to have it. 
Every believer is called to it. He didn't say in Luke 3.16 He'll baptize the preachers with fire and the Holy Ghost. He says He's coming and I'm baptizing everyone with water. But He's going to baptize in contact everyone with the Holy Ghost and fire. And this is God's will. He was a prophet of God. It's the will of God to catch you, to mark you, to change you forever. You need the fire of God. You need the fire of God. One time I was praying. We'll turn to Isaiah chapter 6 real quick. One time I was praying and uh, this person had brought me some oil and uh, some anointing oil, which I generally carry it with me and I'll use it when the Lord directs me. And Anyway, so they brought me some oil and me and another elder were praying for somebody. And this was right along the times when the fire of God was really pouring out. And uh, we were praying, and uh, we got some of that oil on our hands, and we went to praying over. And they were like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And they started feeling the fire of God and everything. And that elder came up to me, and he said, oh, he said, he said, man, as soon as I got that oil on my hands, I could feel it. It was like fire on my hands. And I didn't tell them, but that oil had been homemade, and somebody had put too much cinnamon in it. And I knew. I was like, that ain't the fire, brother. That was the cinnamon. I was like, now, it, that, that's like old parlor tricks you know it's like somebody had just messed up I was like I was sitting there I was like yeah 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 I was like we're gonna pray for your discernment here <laughs> no that's just the cinnamon they were excited though I'm not talking about parlor tricks I'm talking about the real fire of God I'm talking about the fire of God that starts heating people up before you even lay hands on them. I'm talking about the fire of God that marks them, and their life is marked by change. You know, when we receive Jesus, the change should be that we don't have the same actions anymore. It should be the same thing when we receive the Holy Ghost and get the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Our, our life should be marked as a powerful witness of Jesus from every day. When we have the baptism of fire, our life should be marked. We're never the same. It's hard for me to think worldly because that fire changed me. That's why God wants it for us. Not to mention, it starts handling your problems. You know, if God's a consuming fire and we come into his fire, what problems can stand? What bondages can make it through? What things are going to stand in your way? What things are going to be a problem? And you know, we come into His presence and that consuming fire just starts going to work. It starts, it starts just eliminating the enemies of God around you. And those are good things to eliminate God's enemies. That's a good thing. It just starts eliminating the bondages. You think that those, you think that those ropes that held those three Hebrew boys in the middle of that fiery furnace ever reformed and bound them again. No, it's a complete destruction, a complete destroying of the bondages in your life. And the fire of God can do that for you, for your family, for your business, for your ministry. We need the fire of God. We need its characteristics. We need its benefits. But it takes people that will say, Lord, give it to me. I'm willing to be changed by it. I want to be changed by it. I want you to see this last story here in Isaiah. In Isaiah, I love this story. 
Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Can you just imagine it? Can you just imagine it? Where's the piano player? I'm missing. (laughs) Let's get a piano player up here. Amen. The train of his robe filling the temple. The Lord sitting there in his presence and in his fire. The Lord sitting there. The train of his robe is filling the temple. God God doesn't leave things half full. He's overflowing. He's filling things. That's who he is. It's just his character. It's just his nature. He overflows. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Could you imagine hearing those beings shout this out? Could you imagine? And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. That means this voice was so loud, the whole foundation shook. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, could you imagine? Well, Isaiah's there. Mm -hmm, Me too. (laughs) He said, I love this part. He said, then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to see what he was saying there. Because you may be sitting here tonight and your life doesn't feel like it's worthy to come into the fire. And that's exactly how Isaiah was feeling. He's like, look, not only am I a man of unclean lips, but I'm around others. And we ain't right. And I just brought the we ain't right into the presence of an all-consuming fire. I just brought wrong, sin, into the presence of an all-consuming fire. I just approached something I should not approach. And, and here's what Isaiah is saying. I'm done. I'm a dead man. Is, now watch. There's a reverence of God. There's a Lord. I, I've messed up. I, I've messed up. It, it's a heart of humility that says, Lord, I recognize I by myself am not worthy to be in your presence. Not one of us by ourselves was worthy to come into the presence of God. Not one of us by ourselves. But there was a doorway made through which every man comes whose name was Jesus that came with a baptism of fire in his hands. He came with a baptism to burn out all the mess to take away all the sin and to clean us up. 
And we can be in the middle. I'm, you know, it's, Isaiah recognized, I think this is brilliant on this part. It's not just what I'm bringing to the table. It's, it's what's attached to me. It's where I've been. It's the environment I came from. I didn't just, it's not just that I'm a sinner. I came out of sin. I've been around people, and you are so pure, God. You are so holy. Your fire is so all-consuming. I know it's not just me that needs to be cleaned up. I need everything washed. I need the whole part. I need it all taken care of, every bit. Lord, I reverence you. I honor you. I, I esteem you, Lord. You're t you are so holy. You are so holy and so pure. So good and such a consuming fire. I can't, I, I have lightly come into your presence and that should not happen. I'm, I'm a dead man. And this humility is there. And we see this picture, I would say, a type and a shadow of what happens through Jesus Christ when we come and we start to reverence God and, and we want to come into his presence, but we know we can't get there on our own. But God doesn't leave us alone. He does something about it. And right at that moment, God did something. He sent one of his angels. He sent the fair seraphim. And the, the one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hands, which he had taken from the altar with tongues, the fire from the altar, the holy fire of God. He took it from the altar. He took that fresh coal and he touched it to my mouth and with it, with it he said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. See, when we enter into the place where we say, Jesus, touch me with your fire. I, you're not just my Savior, you're my Lord, right? You're not just my Savior, you're my Lord. I'm not just, we've been talking about all week, I'm not just going to praise you and thank you as Savior. I'm going to be obedient to you as my commander. You tell me what to do and I'll do. Lord, let your fire test my life. Let your fire test my hunger. Let your fire test what I say. Test what I do. Lord, I'm willing. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And God took his fire. And he touched his life. And an interaction with the fire of God changed him from changed him forever and in one moment he was afraid I am a dead man I am so unworthy and I come from a people that are unworthy but one touch of the fire of God brings us to the next verse and then he says your iniquity is taken away your sin is forgiven when he touched with that hot coal from the holy fire of God's altar one touch of that fire he was marked forever a couple of verses ago he couldn't do anything he wasn't going anywhere. One, a couple of verses later, and he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he said, Here I am. Send me. One touch of the fire of God took him from a sin-natured man who knew he was dead. One touch of the fire of God turned him into an evangelist of God. Lord, send me. Turned him into an apostle of God. Lord, send me. Lord, I know I've not been who you needed me to be. Lord, I know that I've not been where you. I live in a people that's not where they
they need to be. But Lord, if you'll just touch me with your fire tonight, Lord, if you'll touch me with your fire tonight, I give myself, and I know by faith, one touch of your fire, it will wipe out all of the iniquity, all of that sin, and I will be marked and on fire, boiling and fervent in my spirit to be who you've called me to be, and I'll be sent, and I'll never go back. I'll never return. I'll not look back. I'll put my hand to the plow for you. One touch of that fire of God. We need a touch of the fire of God. Just stand on your feet right now. No matter who you are or where you've been, we need a touch of the fire of God. We need life to change. We need things to go different. We need things to be in a different place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. This fire of God, Pastor Oscar and Jimmy, please come forward. We need this fire of God, Lord. Let, this, let them be marked from this day forward, never to return. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. 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 Thank you, Father. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Just ask him right now. Luke 11 gives us a pattern of Jesus when he baptizes. He says, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, ask me and I will fill you. Right now, just ask him, Lord, fill me, baptize me in your fire. Fill me, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I will serve you. I believe God raised you from the dead. You're my king. You're my savior. You're my commander. Lord, send me. Just start to call on them right now. Call on them out loud. Lord, I need you. I got to have you. Soho frekaneo. Ho brinkanamosa. Handodofri. Dilulutsu tunuduko. Haniosave. Vihado kobreda kanamosa. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Just call them, pray in the Holy Ghost. One touch and everything changes. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Fire of God, fire of God, fire of God. Now, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God, come on them, Lord. Come on, Alex. Even, Lord, let it be so purifying and so pure and defining and separated. Yeah, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I call for a separation even greater than has been. Let it be a separation this day that is marked by your fire. In the name of Jesus, a separation marked by your fire. Overflow from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Thank you, Father. Light them up with your fire. Light them up. Light them up. Hallelujah. Light them up. 
Thank you, Lord. Caleb and Victoria. Thank you, Father. If you want a touch of the fire of God, I just invite you. you. Now, you don't have to come. I am not going to force you. If you want a touch of the fire of God, I invite you to come to the altar right now. I want a day that I'm changed. I want stuff burn out of my life. I want to walk in it more, 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 more. Yeah, fire, fire, fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire baptized by Jesus Christ. Lord, I want your fire. I want to walk different. Lord, I want to be ready to be sent. I want the fire of God to light me up. Lord, I don't care what my life looks like after tonight. I want you. I need you. I got to have you. Thank you, Father. Ha ha. Yeah. Fire of God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Fire of God. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of God. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. It's what he's been looking for. A marked difference. A difference. A day that's never be the same from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, fire of God. Fire of God. Yeah. Just receive it right there. Just yield like I did that one day. Lord, I just receive it. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God. A fire of God. Fire of God. Not just for me, for you. Fire of God. Fire of God. Yeah, fire. Fire. It's time for you to walk in it. It's time for you to walk in it. <laughs> oh, and it'll be glorious. Glorious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory. Whew. Just turn towards me, if you would. Ha, 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 yay. Lord, fill them and overflow them in the name of Jesus. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, marked. A marked difference. A marked difference from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. How precious. How precious. Lord, let the reality of your presence 
flood his life on a level that is straight heavenly. Lord, let it be supernatural. Let it overflow. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let him never be the same. Not that he hasn't been at a good place. He has. But Lord, you're so big. You're so good. You're so wide. You've got so much to pour out. Lord, we receive by faith the more, the overflow, the abundance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God. Be on their family. Be on their home. Thank you, Lord. A hunger, a thirst, a might. Thank you, Lord. A mighty God. Almighty God. Yeah, bring her, stand her up again. Ha! Fire, say, Lord, change me. Mark me today. I never want to be the same. Touch my life. Do it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God. Kindle in the core of her being. Thank you, Father. A kindling. Thank you, Lord. Fresh breath. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost in their home. Thank you, Lord. In the kids, I see in the kids, the Lord wants to light them up in Jesus' name. They'll be witnesses. They'll be testifiers of the goodness of God, lit by the fire of God. Through mom, through dad, thank you, Lord. Whoo, bring it into order. Bring it just to that place. Oh, glory. Lord, I want your fire. Fire of the Holy Ghost. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Hallelujah. Light them up, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Light it. Thank you, Lord. Light them up. Thank you, Lord, for turning it around, for turning it around, turning it up where it was going down, turning it up where it was going down. Oh, thank you, Father. Fire of God. Fire of God. <laughs> Fire of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A fire marked from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. And a restoration. And a restoration. And a restoration of all things. Of all things. You know what that means? A restoration of all things. Everything set in order. Everything set in place. Everything fixed and flowing properly. A restoration of all things. Just raise your hand. Lord, say this with me. Jesus, baptize me with the fire of God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Whoo. Fire, fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire, fire of the Holy Ghost. Be on this life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, baptize her with fire. Baptize her with fire, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoo, whoo, glory, glory. <laughs> fire of God, fire of God, fire of God. Sit it in, a fresh fire, 
of God. Who can you so to cost today? Had a lot of now. Danauto, Banyot, the cloud. Benekururu, Skook, Hallelujah. Fresh fire in that church. Fresh fire. Fresh fire in every ministry represented here. Yeah, glory to God. Fresh fire of God. Marked, made holy. Every problem consumed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Fresh fire of God now. Fresh fire of God now. Yeah, fresh fire of God. Fresh fire of God. Yeah, more, more, Lord. Fresh fire of God. Lord, let it overflow her. Let it follow her. Let it be with her everywhere she goes. Let her, let her be a light. Lord, Thank you, Father. I see you lit up with the glory of God. Everywhere you go, the glory filling you and overflowing you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Fresh fire of God. Now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, my brother. I see this fire of God as you dive deep into it. I see it burning away all the issues. I see it burning away. It'll keep the enemies out of the house. It'll keep the enemies out of the house. And sometimes they don't look like this, just the small things, the small things, the little pieces of division, the little pieces of contempt. It'll keep the enemies out. That fire, it'll be all consuming before it can come in the door. Oh, it'll start to solve problems. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your love. Oh, thank you for your fire. Woo! Fire, fire. Yeah, glory, glory, glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. De bloom mamanium, banium osubam. Fresh fire. You set it in you, and it'll set in place. You set it in you. It'll set in your home, in your family. Set it in you, in Jesus' name. Fresh fire of God. Fresh fire. It's part of what you need in your business. You need the fire of God present. It'll keep away the liars, the thieves, and the cheaters. So it'll keep away the liars, the thieves, and the cheaters. It'll keep it away. I just I heard them say it when I stepped in front of you. The fire of God will keep away the liars, the thieves, and the cheaters. It'll burn it because it'll consume those things are from around your business as you carry it and walk in it. Fire of God, stay filled up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
fresh fire of God. So they come ahead Bebrosa, shubalaniatana. Say, Lord, I receive all the fire for me. Now receive it. Receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, fresh fire of God. You felt moments of it. It's time to walk in it. Oh, hey, maybe a second usher would be good. <laughs> He's a big one. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Fire. It's the answer you've been looking for. It's an answer you've been looking for. Mahadogo kind of solves all things, kind of thing. Hey, go oh, fire of God, fire of God, Hallelujah! Just receive it now. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God. Yeah. Woo. There it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. This fire, it illuminates. It purifies. It separates. It'll make you look different. It might make you look strange to the world, but it'll solve issues. It'll solve problems. It might make you look different. It might make you look funny to some. But the fire of God, we're called to walk in it. He didn't put that verse in there for no reason. We're called to be marked by the fire of God, to be set apart, to go on the way, get on the path, get busy, get to working, winning souls, making disciples, marked by the fire of God, solving issues in our lives. It'll do it. It'll do it. It'll do it. How many people are going to walk in it? If you're going to walk in it, shout amen. I need the fire. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Thank you, Lord, for your fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, there it is. That anointing shooting through my hand right now. Lord, thank you. Start solving things, consuming problems, knocking the hurdles out of the way, destroying them forever. No more bondage, no more curse. In the name of Jesus, be broken and burn off for life forever. Yeah, glory, there it is. It's working now. That anointing's working now. It's working now. Oh, hallelujah. Just say, Lord, I receive it all. Oh, not just part. I receive it all. Thank you, Lord. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Ah, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's just worship Him. The Word says when you pray in the Spirit, you give thanks well. Let's just thank Him. 
for a life that's changed, a life that's marked with his fire, a feeling that overflows and energizes and separates and purifies. Let's just thank him in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you come on Lord sanctuary pure and holy tried and true Yes, to your will and to your way. I 
With my whole heart I'll agree And my answer will be yes Lord, yeah Come on, every voice with me Say, I'll say yes Lord, yes Through your will and through your way I'll say yes Lord, yes I will trust you and obey And when your spirit speaks to me With my whole heart I'll agree And my answer will be yes Lord, yes Come on, one more time So I'll say yes Lord, yes To your will and to your way I'll say yes Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord. Or oh, can you sing it one more time, everybody? I'll say yes. It's to your will and to your way. Say yes. Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Can you sing this? And amen. for your wonderful anointing and your power, your glory. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for touching your people by your mighty power. Thank you for the fire of heaven. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. As we go, we thank you that angels surround us. We thank you that things are getting better, 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 better in the nation of America and around the world. Thank you that, Jesus, you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe it, somebody clap your hands and give God all the praise. Amen. We love you tonight. We'll see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Don't miss it. Final night of this revival. God's going to move. Can you shout?